You're listening to the Customer Service Secrets Podcast by Customer. All right. Welcome, everybody, to today's LinkedIn Live. We're excited to get going today. Um, Really appreciate you joining. I'm excited because I think we've got a cool talk track. Fun guests. So let us dive right in. Um, We have Justin Robbins, who's currently the chief evangelist at a company called CS Effect. Justin, thanks for joining. And how the heck are you? Hey, Gabe. Thanks for having me. I'm, it's Friday. I'm great. I'm, I'm excited. Kids are about to go back to school. I'm, I have no reason to complain. <laughs> for us, that's uh, Tuesday of next week. When's that for you? Uh, we've still got one more week, so it's the following Monday. Yeah, yeah. Boy, that summer just cruised by, but you know, I'm not opposed to that. Getting kids back in school no. is not a Um, So Justin and I go actually way back. We had our first conversation um, when he was at TalkDesk doing some cool stuff. I knew about him then and I know about him now, so I won't steal any more thunder than that. Justin, tell us a little bit about your history and what you do over there at CSFA. Totally, Gabe. I always think of myself as a bit of a customer experience mutt. I started as an agent at the age of 12. I got suckered into cold calling newspaper subscriptions. <laughs> and uh, really, I mean, I just kind of, I, I, I got, um, I never tried, tried, I actually tried to steer away from it, but I somehow kept getting sucked back into customer experience and contact center types of roles. So moved through the operations for a long time back in uh, 2007, I joined the team at Hershey and got to build out at that time was uh, a guest experience program. So, you know, going back almost 15 years, this idea of putting customers at the center of a business wow. uh, was just a super fun experience. I got to do that for five years, kind of moved into the world of training and consulting, did that for a while, went in house. You mentioned talk desk was there at eight by eight in house at technology companies and just kind of spiraled right through all of these different types of, you know, positions within, um, within customer experience and contact center and landed at CX effect uh, actually last summer started talking to the founding CEO uh, about this idea of a business that could really better uh, educate and and help customer experience leaders navigate their their technology decisions and whether it's uh, implementing new technologies optimizing what they have or just getting smarter around how is customer experience evolving and how is the tool set around it changing so that that got me excited about that mission um, as chief evangelist really I do two things uh, one is all of our marketing efforts so everything we do to kind of educate and and you know put the word out about CX effect and the other is our kind of training and development uh for for me it's about uh elevating the intellect around customer experience it can be a fuzzy term for a lot of businesses so what does it mean how do you make it meaningful to you yeah i just feel like that is so needed you know we just need more um best practices content i think that word you know kind of fluffy comes to mind sometimes it goes there right it's just make everybody happy make the customer happy and how how do you do that you know what are the steps how do you get that journey optimized how do you get the operations and the numbers and so i'm glad to see that there's more groups popping up that can help us with that because uh, i certainly am not the expert that's why we're having justin on today um so let's dive into the topic at hand we want to talk about this idea of scoreless qa love the title here should cx pros forget about the numbers and just focus on behaviors. Maybe to start, Justin, um, level set for us. QA, what is it? Um, how should companies be thinking about us? Give us the big picture. 
Yeah, so quality assurance in the context of contact centers or even some broader customer experience operations are are the often the the scorecards or the mechanisms we put into place to understand how is our team doing at ultimately keeping our promises is the way that I kind of like to simplify it. Uh, it might be something that's trying to measure if you're a highly regulated environment. It might be the checks and balances. Are are we complying to processes? If there's certain things that have to be said or think, certain things yeah. have to be done, are we doing those things? For for some businesses, it's about um, the the internal look at are we doing the right things to drive the right outcomes, mm-hmm. right? It's about uh, if we think an agent saying this will please the customer, did they say that? And then tie it back to did it please the customer? Uh, or, or the even maybe um, broader idea is if we're looking to develop and coach and improve our employees, how do we identify what they're doing well and where there's opportunity for mm-hmm. things to be um, changed or, or, you know, replaced completely. And that's, that's fundamentally what quality assurance in right. contact centers is about, right? Understanding behavior and driving change around it. Yeah. And then maybe one more kind of foundational question. Just, it seems like because contact centers have been around a while, QA has been around a while. How have you seen that evolve? And then again, we'll get into maybe some of the best practices and changes over the past, you know, decade or two, any thoughts on where we were and where we're kind of are at the moment? Yeah. So if we think about the nature and the origin of contact centers, it was really a cost savings measure. It was built around um, incredibly transactional types of interactions, um, often very basic, right? That's kind of how we got the mindset of contact centers being cost centers, of agents being these entry level types of positions that are low paid. Uh, and and it was things that it often was highly scripted or it was, you know, the guide rails around what had happened in those interactions, A, were easily predicted, but B, highly controlled. And they were highly controlled for a lot of reasons. We're trying to mitigate costs. We're trying to mitigate risk, whatever it would be. As we look at how self-service and automation and, and all of these kind of predictable transactional types of things have moved out of being uh, handled by humans and, and into self-service and whatnot, what lands in the contact center is often highly nuanced. It's highly complicated. And businesses have moved away from the idea of heavy scripting. They've they've tried to move away from a checkbox mentality and and really move more towards outcome driven types of focuses. Right? It's not about necessarily how you do it, but but what what do you accomplish? What do you achieve as a result of what you did? Yeah, that makes tons of sense, right? So it's a big transition from scripting every word, every step to are we getting the right outcome? And sometimes I give you the latitude to shift from there to there. That makes sense. Okay. A couple of key points about this. Then we talked a little bit as we were planning this about predictive versus reflective metrics. And I was thinking what, what I don't even know what those are. What is, what are those and what's the right balance in measuring CX success? Go. Yeah. So, so first I want to talk about the problem with the typical approach to like the quality assurance score, uh, which is what happens in a lot of these, right? You, you fill out the criteria and it's like, there's a threshold. It's like, we want our agents to achieve an 85% or above or or whatever. And, um, what, what happens and and actually kind of the inspiration for this was a book written many, many years ago called uh, finite and infinite games. Simon Sinek kind of repurposed the idea when he wrote the infinite game. Uh, and, and it's, it's around this idea, like everything that we do in life, there are two types of games that we're playing games that are meant to be one and games where the purpose of the game is to perpetuate the game. There is no winner or loser, right? It's constantly reset. And, and part of what we've done, I like games that can't be won, but I'm hearing you, but I don't like them. Well, think about, think about the idea of customer 
customer experience, right? If I get 100% on my QA interaction from the customer I just had, that 100% is meaningless when I, when I answer the phone or I answer the chat for that next customer. The game resets. I, there's, there's no, uh, there's no winner or loser in customer experience, right? The whole point is to keep business going. Right. 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 So, so that's part of the problem with, with scoring versus looking at an approach that doesn't use scores, but the idea of predictive or reflective part of what we've tried to use with these quality assurance uh, programs is, is say that a score is predictive of a great customer experience or not. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's part of the intent. And often we see an incredible disconnect between if your quality program is about internal compliance, I could, I could score a hundred percent on internal compliance. But when I look at the customers like satisfaction, like they're totally miffed. We did nothing to serve them. Right. And, and, and often like that's one of the, 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 the most common challenges that I see in businesses is there's a disconnect between the quality score and then employee, uh, like ability to, to, um, progress in like their performance improvement, right? They get an 87 on this. And the reason they got an 87 is totally different. So, so lots of challenges in it actually being a predictor of success, but. So I got, I got it. Sorry. I got to interrupt. (laughs) You just hit on, I think one of the fundamental things that CEOs or it's just such a bane of our existence in the CX space that we have metrics that look good internally, and then they have zero correlation to business outcomes that I think we care about. Whether you go as low as customer sat or as high as like, you know, revenue, bottom line, top line, it's like, I see that we're getting good scores, but we're, our revenue is lowering. Like, that doesn't work. And I think that's such a frustration for business leaders and some of the people on the outside looking at customer experience because, yeah, they're chanting we got all these internal metrics high, but they're seeing things that they care about not, and the correlation doesn't seem to be there, right? Well, I, I mean, and that that really goes to the point of what is this? What is the idea of predictive versus reflective metrics? And most of what we measure in our contact centers or on customer experience teams are looking backwards. It's yeah. what did we what did we score? Uh, what happened in the past? What was right? All of these things are looking back, and then the way we manage to that is is very reactive, right? And we're we're trying to address symptoms but we're not looking at cause. And so the idea of shifting from uh, reflective metrics that are always looking at what happened in the past to predictive is this idea of what's happening in our business that if we do this or if we spend time here or whatever, that would lead to a great behavior. I, I use the example often gave of losing weight, right? Say, um, so my wife and I, we just had a child and uh, I, I, I picked on some like, uh, you know, some, some like, you know, pregnancy pounds myself. And if I, if I want to lose that weight, right. We call it sympathy. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. My, my reflective measure is stepping on the scale. Yeah. Did I lose or gain weight? But my predictive measures are what am I eating? When, how often, and what kind of exercise am I doing? And I think that's part of the shift for us as leaders is what are, what are those types of things that we should be looking at and measuring and coaching and developing in our business? Not so many scale metrics because most of what we're doing today are scale metrics, if we're being honest. I love that. So can you maybe give a couple examples? I mean, I loved your analogy of the weight scale because um, I have my COVID pounds that have been starting to pack on and I'm always, 
<laughs> to, your, to your point, I'm always, I go to the weight cell, I'm like, this is inexplicable. How did this happen? <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, you, the cheesecake uh, you you downed the other day, that, uh, that probably helped. So I know I've lived that. Um, but when you go into some of the contact centers or service centers you've dealt with, what are some of the ways that you're actually shifting it? So what are some of those scale metrics versus some of those, you know, um, indicator metrics that you're starting people to kind of change their thought and focus on? Yeah. So, so part of this goes back to the idea of when you look at your quality assurance and your coaching and your development programs, how are you measuring, tracking, talking about uh, success? So um, traditionally, I'm looking at your score and we might talk about a couple criteria on that score, but it's really about your score and it's about improving your score. Mm-hmm. Um, when you shift away from a score-based approach to quality and more to behavior-based coaching, that's really what scoreless QA is about. It's about behavior-based coaching. Now you and I, Gabe, start to have focused conversations around, let's let's say we're in a sales environment and one of the skills I'm trying to develop in you is, is upselling and cross-selling. Right now I focus when I, when I do a quality assurance evaluation on you, I'm looking around a specific skill, not for a score, but how do I develop this skill and track your over a period of time? How do we, how do we do around that skill? Right. Mm-hmm. Cause, cause, cause what tends to happen when it's score based is it's like buckshot. It's yeah. scattered. And I, as your coach today, I'm talking to you, Gabe, about the reason you missed this criteria tomorrow. It's about this criteria and there's no cohesiveness between coaching interactions, right? There's no long-term development. So that's, that's part of the shift in terms of being predictive versus reflective is yeah. like, let's, let's focus in one area, not just what does the score, but what does the behavior tell us? And then how do you come up with some of those? I love like the cross sell example that helps solidify that in, in my mind, but do you kind of then have to go from the end backwards? You sit down with some of these leaders and you say, you know, what is ultimately the goal? And then let's now track back. What are those skills that lead to the goal we want? Then let's develop a program around those skills. Or how do you get this, for those who are wondering like myself, how do you get this in play? What's the first step to do it? Yeah, so there's there's really, to me, I think, kind of three big ways that you can go after it. One is kind of strategic initiative-based, where you're saying, hey, as a team, we're rolling out a new product line, or we're really looking to improve. Uh, we know from, from our customer surveys that the number one place where we fall short is on empathizing, right? Whatever it might be. And so we want to make a focused effort around not only helping um, – helping employees who struggle with empathy develop better empathy, but also take employees who are really, really good at empathy, right? And, and, and figure out how do we leverage them, not, not coach them, right? Not be like, Gabe, you're great at empathy, so I'm not going to develop you, but say, how do we use you now to help uh, train and equip and engage others, right? So part of it's like focused on that. Right. Um, uh, a second could be based off of individual employees, right? So each supervisor spends time really knowing if I'm a supervisor and I've got a team of say eight to 12 agents, which is typically around like the average that, that I see in a lot of contact centers, I should know my eight to 12 agents. What is the core focus area for them this month or this quarter? And then I'm working with quality or if I'm the quality person or coaches around that type of, right? So there's that. Uh, And then the third way to do about it is really around like, uh, kind of event driven. So for new hires, right? New hires kind of have this like track that you put them on in terms of quality, right? Their first few weeks are based around this type of, of development. And then we move them in, you know, month two is around this type of development or for, for, you know, 
our, our employees who have been with us a long time, maybe they fall into kind of categories, right? Our top performers, we focus around these types of programs. Our kind of, you know, fence performers, we put them around here. Our underperformers, we go here. So really there's a number of approaches. It's ultimately around like, how do you focus on for each employee one to maybe three meaningful behaviors kind of at a time, right? That's really what it comes around. Not let's try to get everybody, you know, coached on everything all the time. That's a great, yeah, that last part, you know, being able to simplify it and focus on just a couple core behaviors and really work those and then to find some new one. Because, man, boiling the ocean, as we all know, can get fairly difficult. Love it. Okay, I think I got, I think I get the problem. <laughs> I think I get some of the ways you're thinking about changing that QA to this idea of kind of scoreless QA. Resonate. Um, wanted to maybe, as we um, look to wrap a little bit, just pull you back out a little bit, high level question just around complacency. What do you feel like is holding most businesses back from investing in the overall customer experience? Any thoughts on that one? Yeah. So when I look at the businesses that have struggled to make the case for investing in CX, um, there's, there's typically like two or three common things that are play. Um, number one is your champion uh, for customer experience um, doesn't have either stakeholder or executive buy-in, right? They're kind of out on an island. And, um, you know, I, I uh, had a conversation with, with someone about it recently, right? And they're almost like the outcast in the company. Um, and, and part of why they become the outcast is they have, like, the way they talk about customer experience is very, like, feeling or opinion-driven. It's not evidence-based, uh, and, and when I think about, right, if I'm going to invest in customer experience and I'm an executive, I need to understand from a, is this helping improve revenue? Is it reducing churn, right? What is, what is the, like the tangible business outcome? So that's, that's part one. Um, part, part two is, um, really, uh, like a conflicting definition of what customer experience is. So you've got a lot of people who are really passionate about customer experience, but there isn't maybe a unified leader. And so sales view of CX is one thing. The contact center's view is another thing, operations. And then everybody's kind of championing minor causes, but there's not, right. There's not a unified vision for customer experience. So that's, that's it. Um, you know, or the third is, you know, maybe somebody's like shown the business case. Um, they've, they've got a unified leader. Um, but really then it comes down to figuring out like what's the North Star. And that's, that's, I talked to someone just a few weeks ago that they said like, look, we can get money. Um, we can get like, we've got people to accept, but we don't know where to start. We don't mm -hmm. know what's going to be most impactful for us because we're, we're too entrenched in it. Mm -hmm. um, so looking for people can like provide a, an outsider's view of like, here's what you're saying you're trying to achieve. Here's what you've been doing. Like focus here first. That, that tends to be maybe the, the other missing link. I think those are great. The, the metrics one, like I, we talked about that earlier in the, in the program. It's just sometimes those metrics at the CEO, you know, they just don't understand where that CX team is coming from. So it feels fluffy versus data right. driven. That one just seems to come up so often in my conversation. Awesome. Well, let's wrap, Justin. Really appreciate you taking the time. couple things to end. One is if we want to learn a little more around scoreless QA, CS effect, any thoughts? Where do we go? Comments? Yeah, easy. CXEffect.com. I know we were also tagged on the LinkedIn post here, so click on that. But our website's the best way to get content, get in touch with us, all those good things. Cool. And if someone does want to continue the dialogue with you, any recommendations, uh, best way to reach out? 
Let's keep it easy. We're doing this on LinkedIn. So uh, get a hold of me here. I got, gosh, I'd love to keep the conversation going. Awesome, awesome. Well, Justin, I owe you one if I can ever return the favor. Appreciate it. Scoreless QA. It's in my head now. I think I got it. So thanks again for you and for the audience. Have a fantastic day. Cool. Thanks, Gabe. Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to hear more customer service secrets. 